everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We're happy to be here again. Sorry, we're posting late. I 100% lost my voice and sounded like I should be singing for a jazz trio or something. So (laughs) you are listening to Do I Make You Uncomfortable with Morgan and Sarah. I'm Morgan and that's Sarah. So, um, we have a pretty serious podcast today, so we just want to let you know that, um, trigger warning, we do use humor to get through some of these tough podcasts, so if you don't think humor and really tough subjects go together, you probably want to turn us off because we're going to talk about gun violence coming from a nursing standpoint, and we have a guest today. Sarah, I'll let, I'll let you introduce the guest since you work with her. Yes, I work with her at that place that I work at. Um, <laughs> And her name is Annie. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Annie. Everyone. Hi. Thank you I'm... for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Annie yeah. is our injury and pre- violence prevention coordinator at that place that I work. <laughs> yes, lots of, lots of long things. <laughs> long title. <laughs> yeah. We kind of decided last minute to do this. Um, we actually, our last podcast said that we were going to do Roe versus Wade, I think was supposed to be tonight. And then we're going to do Amber Heard and Johnny Depp after, uh, the trial's over and this is supposed to be the last week for the trial. So we'll have okay. a day. So, and yeah. Amber has six minutes for a rebuttal and Johnny Depp's team has 39 minutes for a rebuttal. So it'll it should it's supposed to go to the I think it was supposed to go to the jury today perfect so hopefully we'll hear something soon but we decided last minute obviously in light of serious issues um that happened this week I didn't hear you you just mouthed words that's all I heard I said the newest school shooting the newest school shooting which I mean by the time this podcast comes out there's probably going to be at least two more so and it'll probably be out tomorrow so it's fine yeah yeah Yeah. so um yeah this is gonna be a touchy subject and I think that you know we're gonna hit on a couple of nerves for people the thing is um you know you all know that I'm a veteran and I own a weapon and I support gun legislation I think that it should be more difficult to get a gun than it is and in fact I think I saw of course I was probably watching TikTok let's just be honest um a clip a clip of um this camera crew that went out with a 13 year old actor and they had him go and try things uh try to buy things that were illegal so like booze and cigarettes and lottery tickets and then they went to a gun show and at 13 years old um a private seller sold him a gun within 15 minutes legally so um you know i it's just it's it's crazy and you know then i saw another person um post about the Missouri um, representatives, the, the um, man, I don't know who it was now, but one of them had received $4,500,000 from the NRA and the other one had received 1 million. Probably Josh um, Holly. Yes, the, uh, Holly was the one that got the 1 million and some change. And then who's the other one? Shit. I don't know. Josh Holly's just a piece of shit. <laughs> That's all I know. I wanna vote Holly off um, group on Facebook. <laughs> I don't even all live of in our Missouri. Senators have received money from the NRA too. All of our um, Republican oh. senators. Yeah, so Quite Moran bad. and um, 
Marshall. Yep, I think Sharice Davis was the only one that turned that down. Big surprise. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Not a mom, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, I haven't done much research on this one. Um, That's why Annie's here. Right. One of the reasons, you know, I remember watching, um, I had my kids and my ex-husband was at the end of his deployment. And I remember sitting at the end of my bed doing laundry, watching the Sandy Hook um, stuff unfold and just sitting there and weeping um, at the thought of, you know, all of these families who are no longer going to see their children. And and at this point, I haven't gone to look, I haven't gone to read. It's just, it's too much for me right now. And so eventually I will, but the reality of it is people can just kind of shut it off. And, um, so I will give it over to Annie because I have not done any research on this and I wanted to listen, you know, to what she had to say and her thoughts. And then, you know, we can kind of have a discussion about what it, what it feels like to take care of these patients when they come in to the trauma bay or, you know, when they come in and, and we see them in the ER because they don't always go to the trauma bay. That's the reality. So two um, seconds. Also, um, we forgot to do what we are supposed to do with all of our guests and Annie, oh. I forgot to tell you this also, all of our guests have to answer what makes them uncomfortable and it can be something funny or it can be something like super serious, but like, I get uncomfortable when people cuss in front of my grandma. So like, that's about the, the irony of that is just, <laughs> I just, I don't even want to, I don't want to hear it. Okay. And my uncomfortability is embarrassing scenes in movies. Like I get embarrassed for them. So it makes me really uncomfortable. And sometimes I just have to change the channel. That's what I was kind of thinking of. Um, so not really like, I, not really that I get embarrassed for characters, but I hate watching sex scenes in movies. Oh, Absolutely me too. Oh, just... And it doesn't really, like, I don't, yeah. It doesn't that's... add anything to it. No. And yeah. like my, like everybody in my adult, like circle knows it. And so they make fun of me. When... I Any sex scene. Like, I hate it. By yourself watching, like you want to change it? Yeah. Mm. Like. I mean, like, it's it's just weird, but like Fifty Shades of Grey, I read the book. I can read the book. I know that's probably a terrible thing to mention on this podcast, um, but no, I read the book, but I couldn't, I don't, have no desire to watch that movie. First of all, my imagination is way better. Second of all, I just haven't, no, it just seems like a very uncomfortable experience. Yeah. I don't know. First of all thing that we talk about on this podcast and we've talked about Morgan's love for smart books too so it's fine I use my imagination as well did you see her roll her that was the biggest eye roll ever Sarah. I had to make sure I got it done like properly so you both could see it because I'm kind of in the shadows so anyway okay. so anyway. now back, back on topic <laughs> also you can talk about anything on this podcast Annie because that's like that's that's this podcast <laughs> and we're labeled explicit so you we know. are labeled explicit if I remember to hit, click the button <laughs> so what tell us so do you remember I I know you do we're I think we're the same age do you remember Columbine mm -hmm. yes 
I do. And so I believe we were in high school then, weren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I've always had a very empathetic soul. That's probably why I became a nurse, but, um, yeah, so I, I do, I have to kind of regulate my exposure, kind of like what you were talking about, Morgan, um, but it's harder to do now. Um, so Sandy Hook, that was a big one that I could not, I could not, um, I think my oldest child was just a baby at that time, and I just couldn't, it was not, um, it, I couldn't watch the media, I couldn't do any of that, um, yeah. This one's a little bit different and it's hitting me a little bit um, harder than I expected um, because I do think we get desensitized. Can you finish that word for me, Sarah? Desensitized. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Annie's really bad at words, by the way. (laughs) Really bad at words. So I do a lot of public speaking so I can just (laughs) embrace that. Um, but yeah, this one has been harder because of my job title. And I feel like it's my job to be in the know and to be aware of, um, gun violence and violence acts within our community, within our nation. So, uh, my kids are the same age as this, um, as the text, the kids are in the Texas shooting they had the same last day of school. So just those similarities alone, um, break my heart. Uh, it's. It's, I don't know. So as, as a injury and violence prevention coordinator, like, what would you say, we were talking kind of like statistics the other day. Uh, And by the way, like I sat down because Morgan and I were going to record this and I sat down and asked uh, my boss, like, can you give me some gun violence statistics? And Annie like starts walking by and she stops, turns and looks at me and just starts vomiting things at me. And I was like, this is per, I like have all these notes on my phone and I was like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, the statistics are pretty startling. Um, First of all, there's a problem with our statistics because for a long time, the CDC hadn't really um, been allowed to track gun violence statistics or to track it as easily. So, um, but guess what? Information's out there and information's everywhere now. Um, And there has been a of um, changes in violence and intervention or injury prevention programs. We used to be just injury prevention. Now we have our different title because of the mechanism of injury with our trauma patients. Um, I believe it is in 2017, we started to see really um, more kids dying from guns and from violent acts than from motor vehicle crashes. And that uh, just gives me chills when you think about that. There's a lot of factors that play into that, a lot of lessons to be learned about that. Motor vehicle accidents has been high um, on mortality for children for a long time, uh, but we've embraced that. It doesn't really, we all know that cars need to be safe, that people need to wear a seatbelt, that um, they should have airbags, the backup cameras. Um, those things save lives, and we've embraced that, and we've made sure that, you know, cars that are manufactured after 2018 have to have a backup camera, have to have certain safety guidelines and regulations, but it's not politically polarizing, so we've made a lot of headway. When you start talking about violence and guns, it becomes very politically polarized. Um, there's a lot of lines drawn, so it becomes more complicated. 
I actually saw a um, reporter ask Ted Cruz, you know, good old Ted Cruz, um, ask Ted Cruz, um, and this was a UK reporter, asked Ted Cruz, like, bluntly, why is this an American problem? Because this doesn't happen in any other country. And we're not the, we're not the leading country, like the lowest country for mental health. We're not the lowest country for secure schools. Um, And so why is it that mass shootings in schools are happening in America only? His answer was, uh, that was his answer, basically. the genius that said we should have one entry point in and out of schools and there should be an armed guard like that is your solution that really worked well for texas it really yeah well, i mean there was a door that was propped open and that's how that kid got in the one entry and then yeah. um yeah and the police followed him in there they just didn't go in after him because yeah, they were able to stand down in, um in a a press conference with the sheriff today said something about you know that now that we're hindsight you know we realize that we made the wrong decision in not pursuing him and and so and like I said I don't know all the details because I haven't looked it up yet I just have to prepare my my mind and my heart a little bit for that because it's just the reality of just going to school on your last day and you you know moms and dads sending their kids to school on their last day and then them not coming home I I just can't even I can't fathom I also think that it's absolutely asinine that our solution since Sandy Hook has been let's teach the kids how to save themselves (laughs) yeah and I I mean what is that doing for us going back to that um, root cause, why do we see it in America and not see it in other places? We have over 4.6 million children living in homes with guns that are not secured properly. So that's not guns out there. That's just places we know that these parents are not locking their guns up or they have accessibility and access to a lethal weapon like that um, plays a huge role in that. Um, and that's, a, that's scary to me. Scary yeah, to me. absolutely. Yeah, that's, that is really scary and not to know how to use them. And, you know, yeah. I, I, my family, we, we have, I've owned guns since I was little, but the very first rule that my dad ever taught me was, you know, you have to go to hunter safety course first in order to be able to operate, um, one of these weapons. And so I went when I was younger, you know, if he was going out to shoot, I would go with him and he would show me and teach me, but I had to go to hunter safety course and before I, I could go with him hunting. And so I did that immediately when I could, when I was old enough and same with my brother. And I remember one year we had this old car in the backyard and my brother had a BB gun and he shot the window out and my mom grounded him for a full year from going hunting. I'm, I'm sure it was harder on my dad than it was on him. Let's just be honest because he lost his hunting buddy, but you know, that was, that was the consequence to, um, to making a decision with a weapon like that. So I agree. I think the accessibility to those weapons is just, it's too easy. And I think accessibility in buying a weapon is too easy. I read something, uh, 
on getting like a, a driver's license. If we treated getting a gun like a driver's license, you know, where you would have to take a test and you would have to do training and, and all of these things, it's just, you know, you're buying a lethal weapon both ways. And so, but we have no regulations around it and everybody's terrified because of the money. So, well, I, I mean, how fast that kid could get that 13 year old kid you were talking about. I wonder how fast he could get alcohol or cigarettes or I'm, I mean, I'm sure it all depends on the location, but um, being sold a gun that young, I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to any of the, the gun shows, um, but yeah, they don't, they don't ask a lot of questions. Um, we had one, it, we did have an issue one time um, at a gun show um because we were in Oklahoma where my parents lived at the time and Chris found a gun that he liked and went to buy it and they wouldn't sell it to him because he was from Kansas so they sold it to my stepmom using my using my husband's card yeah and so the gun was legally in my stepmom's name um and then I think years later I think we've transferred it over now to his name but um, so that, that's the one time I've ever seen any sort of regulation at like a gun show. But, um, I think the other thing too, to mention Morgan is, um, you know, when I was talking to Teresa about this stuff before, um, we decided to hold off and let Annie come on. Um, one thing that Teresa said that I thought was pretty important to bring up is that no matter how many discussions you have surrounding these guns and this you know like guns in your house um that decision to pick that gun up from your child or from you know the neighbor child or something like that in your house is one that's going to be made when you're not there and you're not present and so Mm -hmm. without without locking them up and without safely uh, because I'll be the first to tell you mine are not safely locked up I don't have gun locks on my guns on oh, any, okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've, ta- I've thought about asking for some gun locks before, you know, in, in, um, but our ammunition is not with our guns, um, but it's very close to it. So, you know, like you would have to take steps in order to shoot our guns. We don't have any loaded currently, but previously I, I, you know, I used to sleep with a loaded gun next to my bed um and so but yeah. we, and but as many discussions and that you know like I was told my entire life growing up with guns like don't touch my gun like that was the rule don't touch my gun and at about eight years old I learned how to shoot a gun but I was terrified of guns terrified of guns the problem is that you know there should be a healthy fear of the weapon. And if you one, you know, if you have it in your home and it's not secured properly and you haven't taught your kids appropriate um, gun safety, then they're going to be curious. That curiosity will get them and they'll make those impulsive decisions because their brain isn't developed enough. And one of the things that I've seen a lot of people with kids my age is asking if they're going over to a friend's house asking if they have weapons and if those weapons are locked up. Um, so if their kid goes over to, to a sleepover or something and they haven't met the parents yet, or it's a new friend and, you know, do you have weapons and are they locked up? And I thought that was interesting. Cause I had never thought of, about doing that just because 
it's so normal for us to have them around. So are your weapons locked up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fingerprint um, lockbox for it too. So. So there's a, there's actually, there's a lot of activism like going on with this, but one of the things that we hand out in injury prevention for this is SMART, you know how I like acronyms, Um, but um, that is like asking, so are your weapons secure? Like that's the S. Um, M is, are you modeling good behavior or good responsibility when it comes to um, having guns in your home? So, uh, and then recognizing um, the role that guns play and then talking to people about it. So asking that question, are your guns? And so that's part of their injury prevention plan for this. And I think it's great because it's not polarizing. It's not saying, hey, I want to, I don't think you should have that gun. It's just saying, are you being responsible? Have you talked to your kids about it? Do you recognize that this kid that's coming over with a sleepover, um, might live in a totally different world from you. So you guys both grew up with guns. I did not grow grow up with guns at all in my house. My mom is, she has a huge um, adverse reaction to any guns whatsoever. And she um, never let us, never let my father have a gun in our house. And um, now that she's remarried and has kids, we're all grown, but when the younger, my younger stepbrothers were living in her house and they wanted to have a gun, she was like, uh-uh, you're not keeping that in this house. So she's very, she's very against it. Well, um, and my, my husband is a totally different world than us, um, collector, that kind of thing. And so um, I really, you know, my younger, before I had kids, I'd go out and shoot skeet with him. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Um, so nursing graduation, I got a, I got a Mossberg uh, shotgun. And I it's pink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. You know, but I, I haven't shot skeet in like I have small children. I'm not going to take them to go shoot skeet with me. Maybe when they get a little bit bigger, maybe. Um, and then I co-parent a lot with my sister. Uh, and so she has a young son too, same age as my daughter. Um, he's black and she is absolutely terrified of gun violence. And so her approach to him as a small child was to not allow him to have any guns. Um, not, I mean, he's still a child, but he could not play with any guns. He couldn't pick up a stick and pretend it was a gun. All of his action figures, she took the guns away. And it took a lot um, of talking with her and being like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Um, because what happens when he goes to a friend's house? What happens, you know, and he's, he's obsessed a little bit with, not, um, I edit that out, but now that he is eight years old, um, he finds it very fascinating. And so, and she's embraced it a little bit more. We do Nerf gun fights. Um, he goes out to my dad's property and my dad's shown him how to shoot a rifle and he's a really good shot. Um, but it really took a lot of talking with her and being like, if we go one direction, if we go so far one direction, uh, we're going to have the opposite effect. We've got to find that middle ground and be able to talk about it. Like, 
and not let his GI Joes or his action figures, he's really into army men. I mean, it's a part of that culture. It's a part of that. Um, and I understand her will, wanting to protect her child, but it really created a, a, a strong curiosity. Um, Absolutely. And I think that that's, I, I don't think that you can, you can pull so far one way or so far another way um, on any sort of subject. I, you know, it, it's that way. I think when you talk to your kids about sex and stuff like that too, like we, if you don't, if it's a taboo situation in your house, and we've had this discussion on the podcast before, if it's a taboo situation in your house, what, where do you think they're going to learn that? Yeah. If they're not learning it from you, where are they going to learn it? And you're the best teacher for your kids. Even yeah. if you're not the expert in guns, um, you know somebody. You have somebody yeah. that's a better teacher than TikTok, than the internet. I learned a lot from TikTok. Shut your face. Listen, <laughs> shut up when I'm talking, okay? <laughs> P.S. Uh, we're going to have to switch over here pretty soon. Uh, we have eight minutes left. So, okay, but, uh, we can switch to the other one real fast here in a minute, but, um, yeah, I, I do, I, I do think that if you are going to have guns in the house and this is, this is me preaching to me too, you know, um, that the safety of them needs to be definitely more than what I didn't even think Bradley knew where our guns were until the other day. And then he said something about it. Oh yeah. You told me that. Yeah. He was like, oh no, they're in the closet. And I was like, oh no, he knows where they are. Now we don't have a whole lot of kids over at our house all the time. And, you know, the one time that we have a whole lot of kids over at our house is during our barbecues and stuff like that. And we'll be downstairs outside. And sometimes the kids are upstairs playing. Um, and so it's definitely, you know, it's definitely worth looking into. Um, I also go ahead, Annie. Well, I mean, so I, I, you know, as a, as my job, it's my job to hand out gun locks and talk to people, but I also think that it, that matter is so complicated because like you said, Sarah, um, you used to sleep with it, like, you know, loaded. Um, and I think a lot of people, there's so many disparities. Um, you guys talk about the ACEs probably a lot on here, but when you start thinking about people's environments and their communities that they're living in, um, those guns aren't really seen as an extracurricular curricular activity. Um, they're seen as a, as a security safety. item, safety. as a safety. And to think that, hey, I have this gun here in my couch or wherever, I have it here in case somebody enters my home. Um, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to protect my family. Um, and if you put a gun lock on that, like there, okay, now we have to take the gun lock off, find the key, um, you know, so that it's very complicated. And I think, you know, I'm all for locking your guns up and, and, and doing that. But we also have to think about how do we promote the safety within our community? How do we make it's safe to raise your kids in this particular neighborhood or which is so. why I initially got that our gun that I in and that I had I was not anti-gun necessarily but I was still terrified of guns and then my car got broke into in our driveway and we live 
on not in a bad neighborhood on a dead end um and so when our car got broken into I called my dad and was like hey I need a gun um because I'm home alone 10 days out of the month and um so that's when we ended up getting the gun um was during that all of that since then we've amassed quite a few more guns um <laughs> but um they I we did get it for protection we did get it you know and um, my gun that I owned at the time I don't own it anymore um but the gun that I owned at the time didn't even have a safety on it is it it was an older gun it was my uncle's gun um and my uncle died in 94 so um he you know there wasn't even a safety on the gun um and I do remember one time, distinctly remember one time, we had a guy that was staying with us. Um, he lived with us for about six months and he um, uh, was leaving. It was right around Halloween time. He went out to go to a party and he was like, hey, I'm not going to be home tonight. Just FYI. And I was like, I'm not your mother. I don't care. You know, um, and he was like, OK, sounds good. So he leaves and it was probably about three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning my dogs start losing their mind. And I was like, Oh, what's going on? You know? So I get up and I'm kind of groggy and I hear our door sticks real hard, our front door. So you have to like push on our door to get it open. And I immediately grabbed my gun. I immediately had it ready to go. And I said, if it is not you, I said his name and I said, if it is not you, or if it is you, you better tell me right now. Otherwise, there will be a warning shot down this hallway. And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, turn on the light. I said, you told me you weren't coming home. And he was like, why do you have your gun? And I was like, you told me you weren't coming home. I said, next time there's not going to, like I said, if Bradley had been here, because Bradley was not there. He was a baby at the time and he was staying with my parents. I said, if Bradley had been here, there wouldn't have been a conversation. I would have shot because I wasn't going to let anybody get near him. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. So one of the things though, Annie, that I did want you to kind of speak about before we start talking about like, um, what it's like to kind of take care of these patients is, um, that horrible statistic on how many mass shootings we've had. Oh yeah. So that's an awful one. Um, so we've actually had more mass shootings in 2022 than we've had days in the year. And we only actually hear about the children. We don't actually hear about all those other ones, like um, the one at the grocery store. And I'm so sorry that I don't remember the exact location, but it was. Um, it's hard to remember everything anymore. It happens yeah. too much. Yeah, well, I. So I was driving to work actually on Monday and saw that um, there was another mass shooting. It was at a grocery store. It was all racially motivated. Like this guy literally drove like two hours to go shoot up a predominantly black grocery store. And my heart just sank because for one thing, I'm hearing about it two days later. Right. I didn't 
didn't see like the alert on my phone. I didn't see it uh, come across my Facebook feed. Like any good American, that's where I get all my information. No. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, yeah, Buffalo. And my heart just sank. Like I just. Well, I, and. We, and there was no, it wasn't just children. There was children that died in that shooting, but it was just, just uh, spreading of bullets all, you know? Well, you know, we locked down our hospital, kind of locked down, not a hundred percent. We were on alert because the library across the street from our hospital, they had somebody come in um, with a weapon as all the hospital told us. Um, and that same night, there was a gunman inside a grocery store in Lawrence. And shot, and didn't two people die then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that recently? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that in the it was a road rage incident. Mm -hmm. And so it was outside the grocery store, but they ended up shooting and killing one another. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I mean... Uh, it's amazing to me that people choose a lethal weapon in such a, it's a flippant way. Like you're carrying a weapon. And so that is your, you're, you're angry enough to pull out a, a weapon that can cause a fatality and to caught, to resolve an issue. It's, it's insanity. Right. Right. And that's, that's what we've gotten to. Did we lose Annie? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My screen set up weird. <laughs> My sister just busted in with a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, because it's getting over. Okay, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not here, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll be That's there. <laughs> so I understand the road rage thing. <laughs> I can remember there was a day I was, I don't understand why you'd shoot anybody. Let me get that clear. I was driving to class and I had like donuts. I was driving to teach a class. I had donuts. I was taking to my class and this lady ran a stop sign and I spilled my donuts all over the car and I stopped my car and got out of my car like yelling at this woman. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, why am I outside my car? Like, who am I? I haven't been in a fight since middle school. I'm like, what am I doing? And this poor woman had her child with her. And I was like, I was really attached to those donuts. Like, it was bad. I mean, they're donuts though, so. I, they were really good donuts too. And got them from like early in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> it was terrible. But I think that like, we just have that, like we all have that thing, like for whatever reason, we just snap. And when you have a gun and the accessibility to it, it makes the entire situation worse. Um, and, you know, all three of us have been ER nurses. Um, how long were you an ER nurse, Annie? Uh, eight years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, long enough, long enough. Oh, and, uh, start adding I'm, your time back in. So yeah, I'm still an ER nurse. Yeah, Cause we're still that. ER nurses <laughs> <laughs> technically. Um, so I, I think all of us have absolutely 100% taken care of victims of gun violence in oh, our yeah. trauma base it, and not in our trauma base. Um, and, 
um, we've seen the effects of it. And, um, you know, just coming from ER nurses, give me your perspectives on that. Like, can I say something about yeah. like, so for our town, I'm not going to say where we live, but for our town, I find it um, interesting when we look at the number of killings that we've had from guns in the last five years. Sorry, but when we look at um, the number of deaths that we've seen over the last five years, they actually look like they're improving, but the number of shootings we've had um, has increased quite a bit. Like we've gone from, you know, what was it? 2020, we had 88 shootings, but only 20 deaths. Um, but the year before that, or 2017, we had 30 killing, killings and only 62 shootings. So we have a higher survival rate. Like we're learning to take care of these patients and keep them alive for longer, at least in the trauma bay. Um, and, and or like as teaching will, stop the bleed, you know? Yeah. Well, people will run on this. This is the part that kind of pisses me off is that people will run on this like, hey, we've only had 14 killings in 2021 but we've still had 78 shootings. It's just, we've kept them alive. Um, getting worse at shooting. Right uh, now. What are those? Maybe. Just... No, no, <laughs> maybe. Did you guys just hear the gunshots in the background? No. no. Oh, okay. I live in- She lives in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> it's a beautiful neighborhood. <laughs> it is a beautiful neighborhood, but I also live very close to where I work and very, you know, and their hospitals notoriously are, especially larger trauma center hospitals, notoriously are not located in nice neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, uh, uh Truman. I tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay. Tell me both of you what is your, if you were to go into the trauma bay with somebody who has been shot, what would your mindset be right now? Um, I can already tell you the story behind the shooting. Oh no, no, I've given up on that. I don't No, no, I can tell you the story. The story is it was some guy I was walking down the street. It was some guy or some dude who shot me. I mean, I asked that, so this might be, this is probably interesting that we have a different mindset, but it's because like I've stepped away from, you know, um, from forensics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not, I, you know, I know like the basics, like you don't chart exit and you don't try chart entry wounds and you just chart what the patient says. But for me, like in the trauma bay or in, um, when I'm treating somebody in the hospital and now was it like this, you know, four years ago before I left the bedside? Absolutely. I already knew that story and I was a little bit more um, jaded, but I, I lost a friend, a very um, close friend, well, more to my husband. Um, and he, um, you know, checked all the boxes and uh, really it was an old guy that shot him because he was freaking crazy and shot him in front of his kid. Um, and that changed my perspective on gunshot wounds in the, in the bay, um, because you really don't always know the story. And so my mindset is just to try and do the best I can, which sounds really cliche, um, but I'm going to go back to my basics. I, 
find it interesting because you probably know this about me, Sarah. I'm an anxious person all the time. Yes. But in the trauma bay, uh, I have trained myself. And like, that was my goal. I wanted to be a good nurse and I wanted to be a good trauma nurse. Um, I had that goal from the time I entered healthcare. And when I enter the trauma bay, I take deep breaths, I pause, and then I just try and act. And I try and go back to my training um, and um, cover my bases and just get that person out of there alive. I don't feel worry though. And maybe I do that to protect myself. Maybe. And, and the thing is too, you and Morgan are better people than I am. <laughs> I not- am so jaded. <laughs> I am so jaded. Yes, that's not, you're a, She's a wonderful person, but you know, I think being jaded comes with that. She's wonderful, but. But no, stop it. But being jaded comes with that territory. It comes with being, you you have to harden your heart when you work with traumatic patients all the time. And, you know, I think when a GSW comes in, um, my knowledge and my fear is that you just don't know the trajectory of that bullet once it gets into the body because it bounces everywhere. So for me, when I'm thinking about taking care of a GSW, I'm always thinking this person can crump, which for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that your patient goes downhill very, very quickly. And my anticipation is that they're going to crump just like that because you don't know what's going on inside their body until you actually are able you know, to assess them appropriately. And most of the time, that's not even until they get to the OR, especially if they have an internal bleed. So, you know, expect them from like, especially if they're shot in the chest or somewhere like that, I just expect it's going to happen. And even if it's a real quick drop off and um, back to the bay and we have all the things like, I just kind of expect, like, even if they're talking to me, because it's happened to me, I've been talking, you know, I've wheeled a guy back and they're, we're talking and I get him into the bed and he dies right there. Um, it's, I, I just expect it, um, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think it's really easy to become jaded because of that experience right there and the amount of um, gun violence that we see, and it doesn't discriminate, right? Like we have seen all races, genders, creeds, ages, it doesn't matter. It does not discriminate. Anybody can be a victim of gun violence. And, you know, or I think it's really poignant that you stated, you know, that it, we have had more mass shootings than days that, that got me because you're, you don't hear about the other ones that are happening. We really do only hear about these shootings in schools or, you know, if it's, if it's a hot button topic, so in a gay club or at an abortion clinic, or, you know, those are going to be headline, you know, politicized things. Whereas what we're seeing it in our communities every single day and it's happening every single day and it just doesn't discriminate. And it, it really says something about our country that other countries are like, why is this only an issue here? And the corruption is so talks and we can't come to a solution. Well, yeah. I think that the people want a solution, obviously. I mean, and I, I do find hope in that. Um, I went to an event uh, right after the Texas shooting. So just a couple of days ago. 
And I wasn't really into it. I had had a long day and I just wanted to go home and hang out with my kids, like that kind of approach to this, this event. And um, my husband kind of gave me a little bit of crap, like, well, that's stupid. What is, is it really going to do anything, you know, kind of attitude. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, um, but I'm going to go uh, because I was asked to go. And I went there and I kind of like just looked around and saw that the community had really come together and there was lots of people it was well attended but there was also a lot of people just willing to be present and like give out resources which I found very interesting like even resources that I find valuable um as a mom like how do I talk to my kids about mass shootings how do I talk to them about terrorist events how do I without instilling, you know, without making my precious son not ever want to go outside again, because he's got right. that sweet tender heart. My girls think they'll go out and kick butt. Um, but my and they probably will. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Especially the was, little one. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just really like, it just, I don't know, it just, it touched me, because I think that people, maybe, maybe that, there's a lot of reasons the news advertises school shootings. It's very, I mean, it provokes a lot of emotion and a lot of people get really tied into it. Not so much when you hear about, um, you know, a mass shooting at a, a club and it's only four people instead of 20, you know? Um, or two people at a grocery store. Yeah, you don't hear about that as much, but when you hear about children, um, it, it invokes a lot of emotion in us and it sucks us into the news stories. Um, oh yeah. I think that that's that, true, not only with just like the mass shootings, but kind of like we talked about too, about um, just our gun violence in general, like with our suicide and, you know, um, accidental discharges and things like that. Um, you know, I think that it's true that I, I mean, obviously suicides happen in adults all the time um and now you're hearing children suicide. all the time now too right now you're hearing about suicides and children all the time and so you know I think that I think that what the reason why I had such a hefty fear of guns even though they were in my house my entire life is because my my dad's youngest brother killed himself um and shot himself in the basement of my grandma's house and my dad's twin brother was shot in the abdomen by his wife. And, um, I was 10, I was nine when that happened. I didn't know my dad's little brother. Um, so for a long time, I was terrified to go into a basement because both of them were killed in a basement and I was terrified of guns. Uh, and I still don't necessarily like basements. Um, but I don't like for a whole other reason. I mean, shut up. I, love you. Shut up. I love you. I love you. I got wine delivered. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that we can't, we can't skip over the suicide and the, you know, we are, we already talked about safety in the guns and stuff like that. So the accidental discharges, hopefully, you know, if we can start at least promoting more safety, one of the reasons why I was trepidatious about talking about this topic was really because I feel like a lot of times Morgan and I think that we have the solution to the world when we, when we have our discussions and on this one, for sure, 
I didn't have a solution. I don't have a good solution for gun violence other than I do think that like us taking mental health more seriously in this country would definitely possibly improve. But I still think that you still have a whole lot of other gun violence that isn't necessarily surrounding mental health issues. Some of these mass shootings, yes, you know, if the person who was performing the mass shooting were to have better mental health services, would they, would it have caught, you know, would they have gone through with this? Maybe, maybe not, but all the other gun violence that we are still seeing, you know, the gang violence, the suicides, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, suicides, mental health too, sorry, but you know, those other things that aren't related to mental health that we're still seeing a whole lot of gun violence for, I don't have a good solution. And I know Morgan doesn't either. I don't think anybody does, to be honest, but I think that what is derailing it the most more than anything else is that it, nobody, well, nobody, I'd say we're, we're willing to sit down and have a, you know, those difficult conversations. Um, but is, our lawmakers are the, are our lawmakers um are they willing to you know stop lining their freaking pockets and have these conversations yeah. um and it's not black and white it's not um it's not my rights versus your rights and it is not just saying hey we need to get rid of all the guns no. or hey we need better mental health services it's multifaceted yeah. it has to be fought on multiple levels you have to you know look at people's aces. Again, look at their environment, look at their community, look at their ability to get a job, ability to get uh, treatment for addiction, ability to get mental health resources. Um, it's, it's so complicated. You can't put, a, <coughs> put an airbag on a rifle. You just mm-hmm. can't. And so you have to fight it from all of these different things, but the, like the Honestly, they have to. They have to be willing to have the conversation. They yeah. have to, you know, the common sense, which is not common. We all know that working in healthcare, but the the conversation about okay, you want to you want to own a re- assault rifle. You want to be able to build your own gun because hey, that's a hobby to you. Um, but what what are you willing like are you willing to say that maybe maybe we need a license to carry maybe we need um to go through a gun safety course to have a mental health check um whatever it might be but the the willingness to give a little bit and not just say hey you're trampling on my rights um has to be there and it goes the other way too you can't expect the other side to say you know we're just going to get rid of them all and that's what it has to be. No, yeah. you have to see that it's, you know, it's a big part of a lot of people's culture and what they're raised. Like people like to go hunting. I can't kill a fish because I'm a crybaby, but other people like to go hunting and they like um, to go target shoot and do these other things. So you, you have to be willing to give on both sides and man, it just pisses me the hell off that people aren't really willing to and congress aren't willing to have the conversations it's like what the hell are you they can't even decide to give people who are poor or underprivileged formula which right it's a lot um like that should be a no-brainer they're babies and i'm pretty sure you're not abusing formula i don't know um yeah well i just 
a comment that I saw on Facebook um, on one of the groups that I'm on, somebody posted something and I really love this comment. And it just says, as a gun owner, I request other gun owners and NRA members think about how offensive it is to others when you start spouting pro-gun rhetoric immediately after a tragedy. There is a problem. Please don't stir the pot. There's a time for this, a time and place for this, but it is not now. And I mean, I thought that that was very poignant, especially from somebody who is a gun owner, is an NRA member. And if we as a society immediately are jumping both left and right, um, you're jumping to, I'm going to take all the guns away, all the guns need to go. And then you're not taking my guns, get the hell away from my guns. I will fucking murder you as you come try and get my guns. Um, Like, I I don't think that flowing either way in such a far swing is, is what is going to be healthy. Um, But truly, we all agree, I do believe as the people that something has to change. We can't just keep allowing this to happen. Yeah. And it has to start, you know, sometimes it feels so overwhelming because as one person, you feel like, what, what do I do? But, you know, you can start on your local level. And I, you know, Sarah and I have experienced being able to change things on a local level. And so, you know, you really can have a voice at your local level and move the way up. But I really agree. I think the way that we start making change and making progress and decreasing the amount of gun violence that we're seeing is sitting down and having a conversation about all of these factors that play into it. Cause it can't just be, we're going to take your guns or um, it can't just be, no, you're not going to take my guns. We have to, you know, we have to spend time making sure that we're looking at it from all different angles. So. Right. I agree. Yeah. So, well, we're kind of at a low point. I think we're, we're well over an hour, I think. So, yeah, (laughs) which I knew we would be. That's why I did too. (laughs) There's my timer. Thank you. I have more statistics. I just didn't, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I think think that what we kind of hit on was, was good, was great, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, I well, told Sarah do you have about, any? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I told Sarah about this, but there's going to be a women's march in June in Topeka, um, at the Capitol. Do you want information? Yeah, I would love it. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get that lady an email. She's really nice. She worked for the the Y, and she did. Um, I asked her if she knew you, Sarah, and she said no but she doesn't really do um, the women empowerment stuff. Right. Um, she does um, race, racial disparity um, advocate. So um, that's kind of an interesting role. Yeah. What's her name? Do you remember? Regina. Uh, Regina, yeah. Did I send you her card or something? Yeah. I did, yeah. She's really nice. Yeah. And she seemed very, she's like, how do you feel about uh, what's going on in Washington? And I was like, oh. Oh, I, I got, more. I got I lots like, of opinions. Lot of Let me take my badge off real fast. I've got yes. lots of opinions. <laughs> yes. I was like, uh, get away from my ears. Did I right. start with that? <laughs> like, right the fuck out. should I go from here? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Annie, do you have any like national resources or anything like that for victims of violence? 
uh national i'm looking at so I, you guys i got like all these little papers out here because i knew i would throw my numbers off um yeah there's like a hmm there's, there's um, always there's always crime victims compensation almost every state has yeah, crime victims and, compensation yeah there's a um victim uh, i think it is victim i'll look it up real fast um but i really like them they were on one of my um violence prevention uh seminars and it was a guy that actually had been shot he talked a lot about that informed trauma care mm -hmm. um, and he's in most states however not in kansas so i don't know how helpful that is um i mean there's all sorts of ones if you google it yeah but i'll get you um you could always just send it to me yeah. Then, like screenshot it and send it to me so I can load it in our. Um... Yeah. I want to find. I have one. Okay. What's yours? Um, it is resources for victims and survivors of gun violence, and it's everytownsupportfund.org. Um, and so you can go and take a look at this website, and it has like emotional support. Support talks about acute stress and post traumatic stress. Um, taking care of yourself. There's some legal resources, financial support, finding help. Um, so this is a, this is a good one for victims of gun violence <clears throat> and survivors of gun violence. So the other thing I wanted to mention too is, um, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Um, yeah. they have the national suicide prevention lifeline. Um, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Um, and I think you can text them too off of the website, but so there's just a couple of resources there um, for our people. And then of course, our resources, our social medias that Morgan never remembers. There it gets to them. There it gets Wait, to them. So there's a national center for uh, victims of crime and vict or, uh, yeah. victim support services too. Is that the one that you said, Morgan? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Victimsupportservices.org. No, Okay, they're advocates for people who have experienced crime um, and how they can help support them. So emotional services, um, rights, those kind of things. So legal services too. Um, that's a good one. But there's also state level ones, no matter where you live. Yes, um, yeah. I need to, re let me just look at my damn one note because this guy's had um, like, he has a march that he does in Washington. Um, and they, like I said, they are supposed to be in all 50 states and they'll still help you um, even if you're not uh, there. Well, while she's looking that up, Sarah, you could do social, our social medias. I know our email, it's do I make you uncomfortable at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Um, so on Instagram, we are do I make you uncomfortable 2015. Um, Facebook, do I make you uncomfortable? And Twitter is at do uncomfortable. Um, we're trying to post every other week. Uh, I think we did talk about possibly doing another doctor episode. So start sending in your questions that you would never want to ask your doctor embarrassing things that you would like to find out if for those of you that didn't listen to our last one, we talked about like, um, does cum have calories in it? And uh, what were some of the other ones? <laughs> Why do men fall asleep after sex? And 
and are all vaginas the same are and all vaginas the same and all sorts of stuff so um just questions that you find that might be a little bit un- embarrassing or whatever um just let us know do you find it Thank Annie? so much for being here and chatting with us this is incredible we really appreciate you taking time um out of your self-care time where your family's not home and spending right. some of having me i'll send you it to you, sarah yeah just send it to me and i'll love it. it so all right well thank you for coming to do i make you uncomfortable we hope we've made you uncomfortable Thanks, everybody. Bye.